Welcome to the State of Energy. My name is Randy Witt. That is Tom Clark, Executive Director with Rocky Mountain Propane Association. Hello, Mr. Tom. How are you? Looking very sunned. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Just returned from vacation. Uh, you know, I, I went from these beautiful beaches, 88 degrees to, to a snowstorm. <laughs> so, you know, middle of April and it's snowing. It really is. That's right. Tom got to uh, explore the beautiful beaches of Mexico and then he flew back to Utah into a snowstorm. You know, and but that's you know what? That's good because there's propane on both sides of that because you're barbecuing down in Mexico and you come home and you're and you're warming up and you're getting power in Utah. Thanks to propane. It was amazing how much propane is actually being used in Cancun. I mean, they had tanks everywhere. They were scattered all over the, the roofs of the buildings. It was it was amazing. But yeah, it's nice to be back, uh, and it's nice to be back in some cold weather so we can start burning some uh, some gas. All right, and the State of Energy brings you everything you've ever needed to know about an energy source that's clean, truly cares about being green. That rhymes. Also abundant, affordable, and just happens to be American. Uh, and it's ready for action right now at this moment. It's propane. It's for your home. It's for your business. It's for your farm. It's for fleets of school buses or virtually any fleet vehicle or even forklifts. We're going to discuss how propane can do that. <clears throat> and Tom, when people go to thestateofenergy.com, what are they going to find? Oh, man. So first, you'll be able to just find all of our previous episodes, right? We're, we've been on for a little over a year. We've got about 60, 60 episodes under our belt. Uh, every episode, we talk about something that's got some use to the general public. So every episode's got links to it, to whatever we are discussing. Uh, we've got links to incentive programs. We've got uh, a link to findapropanejob.com if you're looking to, to get an, into a new career that's in, in the clean energy field because that's the future of careers. We've got links to that. Uh, and then we got a where to buy button. Uh, if you need to find some propane, you're just not quite sure where to get it, we got a where to buy button. You can find propane retailer near you. And it's, it's very interesting about uh, findapropanejob.com because uh, the numbers are saying that we're looking at about $50 billion in growth by 2026 in the propane industry. Yeah. Seems like a good time to make a jump. Clean energy is the future, man. It's It really is. So if you're looking for a new career, we got a, a place where you can start your adventure. And and we mention this in, in every show. We're not enemies of solar and electric and wind. We all agree that they're an integral part of a well-balanced energy plan. But propane is here right now doing all of the things that they want to do. I mean, basically, as we talked about, propane is the Cinderella of energy. <laughs> We're the best looking one of the bunch, and they don't want us at the ball. That's right. No, it's, it's here now, and it's here for the future, and it's something you can take advantage of right now to clean up the air in your community. And we'd like to welcome our guest, Mr. Tucker Perkins. Welcome back to the State of Energy. Brandon, it's so good to be. I, mean, I almost hate to be speaking just because I love listening to the banter between you and Tom, but <laughs> it is a pleasure to be back. Thank you. We love having you on the show. And uh, for folks, we want to update you that Tucker Perkins is the president and CEO of the Propane Education and Research Council, as we fondly refer to as PERC. Um, he's worked in the propane industry for nearly three decades. You've done a lot. Don't tell anybody that, but I have done a lot. And it's, and it's all been fun. And frankly, today is probably more fun than anything before. Because as you said, we just feel like we're on the cusp of a whole new way to think about clean energy. And propane is one of those fuels. So it's is as exciting as the past has been, I think the future is even more exciting. Absolutely. And you discuss a lot of this on your new podcast called The Path 
to zero. Talk to us about that. Yeah, path to zero has been really interesting as we really, again, we don't necessarily pick just champions of propane. We're really talking about clean energy with a host of people. I had an, a guest yesterday who is the head of the NAACP's Climate and Environmental Initiative. And so she was our third guest talking about just the issues of climate and justice and equity. So that's, which is an area I think propane has such a great role and such a great story, but some of our episodes have been listened to 70,000 times. We did an wow, episode wow. not too far from you uh, with the head of Colorado State and we titled it, Is This Diesel's Last Decade? And we've had about 70,000 people engage with us in that podcast. So lots of cool things, but again, not just propane centric things, energy centric, um, just trying to promote conversations around clean energy. Because I find the general public just doesn't get a truthful look. I mean, they're fed a, a dialogue that mainly the path to a cleaner climate is through a narrow path, the narrowest path, electrification. And, you know, here we are fresh with Texas in our mind, fresh with California in our mind. Each of us have our own story about, you know, where maybe a utility let us down. And this propane just has such a great story to tell. It's true. I mean, because months after, you know, winter storm uh, Yuri hit Texas, I mean, millions were left without power for days and needing to uh, boil water for weeks. Uh, and now, once again, actually, just this came out yesterday, Texans are being told to conserve power, uh, even though the spring conditions are the same as they've always been. There's nothing new with their spring conditions, but they're still concerned about the grid in Texas. What do you know about that? Well, I think I'm following it incredibly closely, even though it's primarily a power story, electric power story. It's certainly a story about reliability and resilience. And frankly, I was impressed that the Texas grid was able to withstand as long as it did that extreme cold. I mean, clearly it was designed to think about extreme hot weather. But boy, when you start thinking about you know, what is going on with the grid today, neither abnormally hot or abnormally cold, it begins to tell you about the lack of infrastructure development that's really happened in these rapidly growing states like Texas, like Austin, like San Antonio. They're just people are coming faster than roads, bridges, and electric lines can, can be built. And by the way, let's don't look past that you don't see a lot of new things being built, right? You don't, you don't just build pipelines anymore. You don't build overhead pipelines, which they happen to be called power lines, but they're overhead pipelines. You know, infrastructure is something that is hotly contested because nobody wants it in their backyard. That's 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 like the uh, you talk about people moving to Texas. Look at look at uh, Elon. Elon's building a whole city. What's it called? Like I think he bought <laughs> Brownsville, Texas. I think he just bought the whole city of Brownsville. If I'm what, not did he, what did he name it? The the space center or something or space something? I don't know. It's it's crazy how many people. You guys shouldn't look too far afield from Salt Lake City, which is probably one of the fastest growing metropolitan you know, communities in the country right now. I mean, I think Salt Lake City has been discovered. Oh, yeah. It's, man, this is a hot real estate market right now. I've got four kids that are over 18 looking to find homes, and they, they cannot find a place to live here. It is insane. You know, when you have a competent government, it's amazing what can happen. Well, and it's a beautiful state. 
Uh, it's, you know, just great people, a lot of reasons to move there. I certainly can appreciate it. That's really one of the things we've started talking about um, that seems to resonate with people. We talk about a three-dimensional energy grid. And I don't know, Tom, can I talk about it now? Well, no, I think we would love to hear about that. Um, we do have a clip from your your podcast, The Path to Zero. We would like to just share with our audience, if you don't mind real quick. The thing that I would like policymakers to leave from the results of Winter Storm Fury is that we need a three-dimensional energy grid. Certainly we need power lines overhead doing what they do best. We need pipelines underground, out of sight, out of the way of the weather, doing what they do. And then we have fuels like propane in the middle, that vital middle that give you stored energy at your home or farm or business. And they give you the ability to do the things you need to do when perhaps the other fuels aren't there for you. There seems to be a narrative that electrification is the path to decarbonization. And that's the only path to use clean fuels like propane or natural gas. You can't achieve that, that clean climate. I think what I've seen firsthand through both emissions numbers and studying the science is a faster path to decarbonization could easily be through increased use of natural gas and propane. You've seen today the value of resiliency, um, but what, what you see is that using propane and clean fuels can accelerate decarbonization, improve resilience, and control cost. That's the winning solution we have for a clean climate and resilience in these peak periods. That's our guest for today, Tucker Perkins, from his podcast, Path to Zero, discussing the lessons learned from Yuri in Texas. Uh, but talk more about your, your 3D grid concept. Going back to your earlier comment about how we pair well with wind and solar, I think it starts from our earliest beginnings, right? Propane, one of the facts I love about propane, and it applies in the U.S. and it actually almost the exact statistics worldwide, propane is only about 4.5% of the U.S. energy portfolio, but we touch 60% of the population, right? Everyone has a propane grill. A million farms use us in agriculture. We have so many growing fleets. So even though we've been this relatively niche fuel, we have this wide customer use. And so what people fail to be able to grasp with their mind is how propane fits and how it's it's relevant in the conversation around energy and the future of energy. So, you know, one of the ways we're beginning to describe it, and I think it really applies as we think of particularly about Winter Storm Uri, is this three-dimensional energy grid. Yes, we all have power lines. They're almost always overhead, up in the sky, bringing us electricity, and we tend to need electricity to power our lights, give us the internet, uh, whatever electricity does, but that's what's up in the sky. We also have some incredible resource in the ground, as I'm quick to say, out of sight, out of mind, bought and paid for, by the way. The pipelines underground, which bring us natural gas, they might bring us gasoline or diesel fuel or jet fuel, but out of sight, out of mind, underground is that second dimension. And really, it's really important in our portfolio because what's overhead and what's underground, they're important to us. But propane is one of those few, few fuels that's in this vital center. And as you see in Texas, this is the best example. 
we're able to deploy additional resources when resources are needed. We come in the form of trucks, we come in the form of rail cars, we come in the form of people, but when resources are needed, you generally don't get more electricity, you don't get more natural gas. That is what you have. Propane is this vital center. It's also this vital center for people who don't have access to good power lines, to good yeah. natural gas underground. And so that's where we begin to talk about access. And access means so much. I talked about you know earlier injustice in the environment and equity, but everybody has access to propane, right? It doesn't, it doesn't just make itself available to a few propane. So again, that's that vital middle. So this three-dimensional energy grid really seems to resonate with uh, not only just, you know, normal people, you and me, but it also resonates with people as you're thinking about this next level of energy. Yeah, we're going to have to have three dimensions. We'll have something overhead, we'll have something underground, and we'll have this vital center that of which propane is a big part. You're listening to The State of Energy. I'm Randy Witt, along with Tom Clark, Executive Director with Rocky Mountain Propane Association. That wealth of knowledge that you've been listening to is Tucker Perkins, President and CEO of the Propane Education and Research Council, as we finally refer to as PERC. And Tucker, let's dive in more on the Electrify Everything movement. And again, we're not anti-electric. We just want all the facts to be on the table because everyone thinks that electric is just pure clean and it's not as clean as people would expect. It's not even that. It's when when we see the word zero emissions from an electric motor or an electric anything, it's plastered all over. Our kids see it. Our everybody sees this and they're like, "Oh, this is the answer. It's zero emissions. These buses, zero emissions." No, they're not. They're not zero emissions. And this this electrify everything movement uh, being being lied to about zero emissions is is really disturbing. And that's that's the part that gets me fired up is we definitely need electricity, but we need some clean electricity. Yeah, I think that's the issue, right? And, and the other thing that we all talk about is generally this debate is around climate, right? It's specifically aimed at climate and temperature change. And people seem to completely eliminate the other side of that equation, which is health and human health. and the thing that most disturbs me, I, put, I believe I would let this debate go on and not even engage it, except for there are two bad things that, really three bad things that happen at the end of this debate, if in fact we choose this narrow path called electrification. One, the climate isn't positively impacted, right? Greenhouse gases don't magically reduce as people suggest they would. Two, resiliency is not positively impacted. The moment you, we've seen it, you're talking about winter storm Uri, you don't even have to go that far to see reliance on one fuel is a bad idea in almost every case, right? One of the things I love listening to that podcast clip is we then talk about storage. That's one of the things that comes out. With propane, you have some element of storage right beside you. You can call it your battery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, 
we had this conversation. We, we, we said, maybe we can fix this whole problem and call the propane tank the battery now. We are so obsessed with electrifying everything. And it's not just a little bit. I mean, this is full steam ahead. We're trying to get everything. GM's claiming that they're not going to make any more gas engines by 2035. I mean, I think we need electric to, Hummer. We, what is that battery going to be? The climate's not positively impacted in that conversation. It's made worse generally because, as you say, clean climate is, is at best probably a 50% renewables. At, at, in some futuristic view, if we could get to a world with 50% renewable, that's probably nirvana. Now, I don't know that a lot of social scientists say that, but that seems to be, if we use the European experience, we look at almost every rel you know, relevant scientist's projection. It's a, so, so the climate's not advantaged by this narrow path. Uh, resiliency, and then finally, probably most important at all, who is left to pay for this, yeah. this you know, system that's imposed, as I said, I've had three guests on my podcast lately that their life has been spent to labor around equity and justice. And each one, when I say who, you know, one of the studies we figured out is now lower income people, a third of their income may be applied towards utilities. And in fact, there is no way, but as we move to renewables, the cost of electricity is going to increase. It, there, is, there is no other option for it, but to increase. And again, it has a disproportionate impact on those least able to, to pay. And again, it, I think it would even be okay if the science was sound that that is the right, that is the correct path to zero. But as we sit here today and look at all of the science using a combination of fuels that do their individual things best, seems to be best for the environment, best for resilience, best for our health, and best for those who have to pay it. And as you say, the narrative has gotten completely shifted. Now, I do think Yuri, Winter Storm Yuri, has given us a chance to re-engage in that narrative, that maybe now intelligent people see that resilience really does matter. And maybe there isn't one solution for everybody's needs. You hear me talk a lot about energy density. We need energy density in our fuel choices every once in a while. Well, I, I want to touch on just a couple of things that you talked about. One is is basically it comes down to uh, economic justice and not just for the whole country. But for, for example, here in Utah, we are getting $50 million worth of electric vehicle chargers that are going to be paid for by rate payer increases. Who's mostly used by people from Los Angeles and Las Vegas, <laughs> by the way. That's been proven. So these electric vehicle charging stations are going to be used by people outside of the state, but paid for by people that can't afford these vehicles to begin with. And it's going to be this burden is pushed onto these people that you talked about that 30% of their income is spent on their utilities. So how is that justice to the people, the residents or the community? How That doesn't give us... There is no justice. Is in fact, in fact, I noticed yesterday as I was working with the NAACP, I find for, far more often they actually talk about 
economic injustice. They're not really, um, because that's exactly what's happening. And you, you have a situation occurring in Utah right now down in Zion that, again, probably more federal money than state money. But again, I mean, I love the fact that we're having these conversations about clean and we're talking about huge sums of money, but to waste that money or even to deploy it in ways that are not the most efficient as possible, it's maddening to us because money is limited and the opportunity to make a change is limited. And so to, to waste money for products that aren't even as clean as the products they're replacing, it's- It's, it's going backwards is what it really is. Zion's National Park will be turning the dial backwards in Utah for clean air. It really will. 63% of Utah's electricity is produced by coal. So we're, we're removing 20 propane-powered buses, which are some of the cleanest buses in the state. We're going to remove those because they're aging, right? Yeah, of course, they're 25 years old. They're quarter century old. These buses are old. They need to be replaced. But the engine doesn't need to be replaced. The bus that's moving millions of people a year needs to be replaced. And, and the fact that we're going to spend $33 million, and that was just an estimate. They've already come back and said they need more. Yeah, they're going to raise the price now to ride the bus. They need more than $33 million, and they're going to replace these with electric buses that 63% of the, of the electricity is produced by coal. Yeah, in fact, go over to the other part of the country, into Maine, arguably what is billed by many as the most pristine national park in the country, they made a decision, I guess, two years ago now to replace their buses with propane buses. And their experience has been magnificent. And those buses are, in many cases, 97% cleaner than the diesel buses they replaced. And they would be, electricity is not really even an option for them. But if it were, they're again, about twice as clean as the electricity grid is today. Not unlike what you see in Zion, a modern propane bus would be about twice as clean for the environment, just you talking about carbon, not talking about anything else that comes from electric production that, and there are numerous things we could talk about, but just using the metric of carbon. So what everybody says is, well, this is for the future. These buses, let's say they're gonna last yeah. another 20 years. So what people fail to understand is they think that electricity is gonna have this amazing metamorphosis from relatively dirty today. I mean, the carbon intensity of the electric grid nationwide today is about 139, just forget the units behind that for a second, the carbon intensity of propane is 79. So at some level, we're about 60% cleaner than electricity today. And people say, okay, well, electricity is gonna change. Well, let me tell you, as a person who sits at the very intersection of innovation, both in the technology and the fuel, I could not be more thrilled. Our next generation of engine, which is getting ready to become public now, it cuts greenhouse gas emissions 25% from the next best technology available today. And we've already cut NOx emissions to 96%. We've already cut particulate matter to virtually zero. Now we're going to the, the last you know, emission that had been difficult for us, we're cutting at 25%. And you know what? You can afford this engine. 
it gives you payload and range and you don't have to have chargers. You mean you don't have to spend a, a, a million three for it? <laughs> no. It's, it's well, that, a I million mean, three. Million three. We just had a public announcement in South Carolina that actually used buses. Uh, they, they deployed a massive uh, deployment into South Carolina. And to put it in perspective, their buses cost them $100,000 per bus. The most modern, clean propane bus available cost one less than one-tenth of the announcement into... So Zions could have got 300 buses for the $33 million. Yeah. That means they, they <laughs> spend less on the upkeep, which is also something. Whereas I would love to say, and then let's be real, you know how that, that's how it changes the environment. Now you can change the transportation mode in Zion and Yosemite and other places. You're not worried about range. You're not worried about whether they can run when it's too cold or too hot. And that's the real revolution in transportation. It's not whether you choose propane or electricity, sadly. It's really about getting rid of as many diesel products as you can possibly get off the road because those are the real emitters. So to wrap this up, if you're listening in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, and you're, you're close to a, a national park that's already burning a clean fuel like propane, and you see somebody come in with a proposal to put electric transportation in your national park that's dear to you, make sure you, you let them know what you heard on the State of Energy. The good news is there is a revolution going on in transportation, right? Paratransit and school buses and so many products that are running on propane, shuttle buses at airports. We're beginning to see a really great widespread adoption. And if you could sit with me uh, in the design rooms of the major manufacturers, you see how they talk about how medium duty, heavy duty transportation, uh, they're going to rely on propane for decades and decades. And by the way, we're gonna make changes in propane, right? We're going from conventional propane to renewable blends. I mean, the evolution of the technology and the fuel, it is incredibly exciting. Tucker Perkins, president and CEO of Propane Education and Research Council, also known as Perk, also the host of his new podcast called The Path to Zero. Thank you very much for sharing your wealth of knowledge. Brand, so Tom, much. love being with you. Thank you very much. And folks, to find out more about what propane can do for you, simply go to thestateofenergy.com.